the quality of air in our home is important. Indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air. But with Puro Air, you can remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room in just 30 minutes. This device uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Christian Parenting. This is Cynthia Yanoff, and you're listening to Pardon the Mess. Each week, we have honest discussions about the ups and downs of parenting and the lessons God is teaching us along the way. It's real, it's fun, and it's biblical. Life is messy. Don't walk the parenting road alone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about two quick things. If you have not checked out the book I've been talking about, Starved by Amy Seifert, it's a great time to do that. If you're anything like me, you're finding yourself consuming and filling up and taking in things that are still leaving your soul starved at the end of the day. And I just think we're distracted and empty. And so sometimes we just need to be reminded that in the midst of our rushed and overflowing and low on fulfillment moments in life, we don't have to live that way. We're not imposters. We don't have to be malnourished. We can become free of shame and disappointment and anxiety. And so Amy Seifer is a really popular version Bible teacher. She has a new book out called Starved, and she talks about why we need a spiritual diet change in order to start fulfilling our lives and the way the Lord would have us to do that. Wouldn't it be amazing if her book did as well as all the diet books, the diet plans that are out there. We hear all the time of ways to change our diet to meet goals, but we need to consider our spiritual diet. And so I would just encourage you to check this out. It's called Starved and it's available wherever books are sold, or you can go to amyseifert.com. And then if you haven't taken a minute to sign up for the Christian Parenting Digital Event, it's called Every Parent Wants to Know. This is their fifth annual Perfectly Imperfect digital event. And we all know you guys, that's why you're here. That's why we're all here. Parenting is the greatest role in the world. It's also the hardest. It's rewarding, challenging, heartwarming, and exhausting. And that's like in the first hour of every day, right? It can be confusing. And so they're bringing in some really great friends and experts who share insight and experience and wisdom for the questions that we're all asking. And so join them. It's April 14th. Every parent wants to know, and there will be a host of speakers that will talk about faith in your home and grandparenting and some of the tough topics that we're all facing as parents. And so each ticket's $49 and you can have access to all that content through the end of the year. So go to perfectlyimperfect.org, check out the speakers, learn more and get your ticket today. Hey guys, welcome to Part of the Mess. This is Cynthia. So glad that you're here today. Let's start off with a round of applause for you guys. I wish I knew how to do that. If I knew how to put in a round of applause, I would do that, by the way. Maybe my editor will. But you get a round of applause because I ask you guys pretty frequently to leave reviews on iTunes. And you did it. You did it. Some of you did. And I just want to thank you. I'm going to read you a couple. Um, One of them that was posted said, I always feel like I'm in the room chatting when I listen. Cynthia and her family are wonderful, in my opinion. (laughs) 
I like that preface. Definitely in your opinion. Plenty of people don't think we're wonderful, y'all. I always listen on my way to or from work and I always feel like I'm in the room. I love how relatable she is and how I don't feel like I would be judged in my Christian home. You're the best. Yeah, you're not getting judged. No judgment from me, people. Here's another review that someone left that's so sweet. A uh, girlfriend recommended this podcast to me at the beginning of the year. I have loved every minute I've listened to it as a mom of a three four and 11 year old. She and her guests have so much wisdom and truth to share and impart. And so thanks you guys. Round of applause. Thanks for leaving reviews. That's again, not just because it's like somehow going to boost my ego, but really it helps other people find us. And you know, I don't know enough technology to tell you what happens and how that happens, but somehow when you leave reviews, more people find us and that's important. And so thank you guys for that. Now, I'm so glad you're here because, you know, in life, there's like certain people that just have impact on you, like by the way they've lived their life, maybe you've read their book, maybe you've watched their movie, whatever it is, and it's just kind of carved or etched a little place in your heart. That's today's guest for me. I was trying to think of those people in my life. There's lots of them. You know who some of them are. I talk about them a lot. Max Lucado, the things he's written over the years have just impacted me. Mark Batterson, we all know that, right? I talk about that and he's on the show all the time. Um, and then I think of even like the movie, The Blind Side. My goodness, that movie slayed me. And I understand it's not like a Christian movie per se, but like that is where I feel like the Lord really spoke adoption into my heart. And then we have Katie Davis Majors, who's here today. And so I'm fangirling a little bit because she wrote the book Kisses from Katie and what a huge impact it had in my life. Yes, but really in my daughter's life, my oldest one too. She read it um, in junior high, I believe. And you just read that book about her going to Uganda and adopting all these kids, 23 girls, and the Lord just doing unbelievable ministry in her life, which she'll talk about today. And you think, yeah, like, who were her parents? How did they raise her this way? How did they get out of the way and let their daughter leave the U.S. and go and do this? And man, what a story that the Lord has written in her life. And so I'm just thrilled that we get to chat with her. She has a new book out called Safe All Along, Trading Our Fears, Anxieties for God's Unshakable Plans. And if there's ever a girl that could write that book and speak into that, it is Katie Davis. And so uh, she's married now. She met her husband over there. Like, isn't God crazy? She met her husband who was also a missionary at one point in Uganda. And so it's now Katie Davis majors, and we're going to talk about her book and everything else. She's awesome. And I'm so thrilled that we get to have this conversation. So here we go. Katie Davis majors. Hey, Katie, welcome to part of the mess. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm giddy. And I said this before we started recording, but I feel like this is probably like the beginning of every interview you ever do. But I just have to say like your books, Kisses from Katie, like they've just had such an impact on me. But even so, I was thinking about it with my daughter. I have a daughter who's in college and she read Kisses from Katie. Like, what is that? Is that a 10 year old book? How old is that, Katie? 12. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, she's pretty young. She's just now a sophomore in college, pretty young. And I just remember her saying like, wow, like that's incredible. She can do that. Like we can do these things mm. and just it's had. And so to get to actually sit and chat with you, I'm a little fangirly about this, but all that to say, hi, welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you. I am glad to be here. Okay. People who may have missed a little bit or may not know your background or whatever, they need to go back and learn everything about you because it's such a cool story. But I would love, I mean, there's no way to give a quick synopsis on that, but give us a quick synopsis of what life looked like at 18 years old for you and moving forward. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've gotten pretty good at condensing it, even though it is a long story, <laughs> but 
long story short, my mom and I had gone on a short-term mission trip to Uganda for three weeks during my senior year in high school. And um, during that three weeks, I met a Ugandan family who was running an orphanage in Uganda, and they asked me if I would come back and volunteer with them for a year. And so I decided to take a gap year from um, between mm -hmm. high school and college and go over and serve for a year in Uganda. And that year actually turned into 15. So uh, just during my time there, wow. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the community. Uganda is just a beautiful, beautiful place full of beautiful, beautiful people. And the Lord led me. I was seeing a lot of needs, um, a lot of kids in our community that couldn't afford to go to school because that wasn't mm. free. A lot of kids in our community who did have living parents and relatives who loved them, wanted to care for them, but actually couldn't afford to. And so a lot of kids were ending up in orphanages or in some kind of institutional care, not because they didn't have family that loved them, but because their family couldn't afford to care for them. That didn't yeah. sit well with me. And so the Lord led me slowly over time as I formed relationships with these people to start sponsoring them, uh, sending them to mm -hmm. school, helping with kind of their daily needs like food and medical care so that they could stay with their families at home. And so I was able to start raising some money from friends and family in the U.S. to help um, facilitate sending these kids to school and providing for their basic needs. And over the years, um, I formed a nonprofit and it grew and grew and grew. And now we have hundreds of students. Um, we've mm. built a primary school. We've built a secondary school. The name of my organization wow. is Amazima. That's the Luganda word for truth. Um, Okay. And so we have two schools over in Jinja, Uganda. We hope to have more where we are discipling kids, but also making sure that they don't have to be pulled away from their family just because of finances. And then additionally, yeah. as I built my life <laughs> in Uganda, God um, led me to foster and then ultimately adopt 13 girls. They are, wow. they're all sibling sets that came to me through the foster care process. And then yeah. um, I went on to adopt them with my husband, who I met in Uganda. He was also a missionary there working toward discipling um, young men to become mm -hmm. stronger husbands and fathers in the in the workplace, um, in their homes, in their families. What did it look like to follow Jesus? I met him and we got married in 2015. And so we've been married now for about eight years. We have our 13 adopted daughters, and then we also have two biological children. Um, so that that's kind of the yes, last 15 years in a nutshell for me. Wow. Okay. Now, uh, your bio kiddos, boys, girls? Uh, both, both boys. What, yeah. Both boys. Okay. All right. And so I have to – so by the time you were – am I right on this? You were 23. You had 13 Adopted daughters. Is that right? That's right. Well, they were still, we were still in the process of adoption, which is a long okay. process in Uganda. But yeah, they were all in my home um, at 23. By 23. Okay. So as a mom of a college kid, one that just graduated, one that's about to, or getting closer to the age of 18, and this whole gap year, I'm thinking through this and I'm thinking, you have really great parents. Like, I, do. Like, I just, I, I want to know, like, what did this look like? When you said, like, I want to go back, maybe that was an easier, like, yes for them because you thought it was for, like, a year. But walk me through, like, how did that work with your parents and how did they support you while also maybe walking that line of, like, wait, 
are we crazy for letting her go and do this? And so what did that look like? Yeah, well, my my parents are incredible, and I'm so thankful for them because as I parent, I lean a lot on things that I learned from them. Um, we grew up in a very affluent community, but both of my parents were just really, really good at teaching us that there was life outside of our community and that there were lots and lots of people both down the street and on the other side of the world that didn't have um, access yeah. to the opportunities that we did. And so my family was always serving in some capacity. Mm-hmm. We served at our church. We served, um, my mom and I served at a halfway house uh, here in the Nashville area. We served the homeless. I mean, my mom was involved in service and volunteering Um everywhere. But also she was just, still is just so kind to people. And my dad too, Mm. they just don't, they didn't teach us that you treated different people differently. They were just um, Mm. always kind across the board to homeless people on street corners and to businessmen who came over to our house for dinner. And so I think I really learned that from a very young age, that was really part of our family culture. And so I don't think it was shocking to them when my heart was drawn towards Mm -hmm. service. I I think they just, they saw that coming. And so while it was really difficult for them, um, for me Mm -hmm. to make the choice to go live on the other side of the world, I don't think it was surprising because they had raised me to have that kind of heart. And um, I think their fear in it came from, was I throwing something away, right? I had Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. opportunities. I could have gone to really pretty prestigious colleges because I had the grades and I had the financial ability. And so um, I think they worried, you know, was I missing out on opportunity for my life? But at the same time, they were very supportive because they knew this is who they had raised me to be. And they didn't let me go alone. So like I said, on that first trip, my mom came with me Mm -hmm. um, for three weeks. And then when I moved back for a year, my dad came with me because he was going, okay, there's no way that you're going to live in a year for, or for a year in a place that I've never seen. And so he came over with me for the first couple Mm -hmm. weeks of my time there and I think he will tell you that leaving me there, like getting on the plane to leave and yes. come back here and leaving me there, hardest. I think he would say is the hardest thing um, that yes. he's ever done. But they both have um, just incredible faith. And my dad um, my dad tells a story now of, and I didn't know this until probably like a year later, but he tells a story of after I had first started sponsoring some kids um, and founded a nonprofit, and it was pretty clear that this was going to be not just a year-long thing. This was the trajectory mm-hmm. of my life. He tells a story of sitting at a fundraiser and watching me speak and just seeing my passion and hearing the mm. Lord and feeling the Lord say to him, don't stand in my way here. Um, mm. And so, you know, he just tells that story with tears and it just moves me as well. But I think now as a parent of adult children, because many of my kids were a bit older when I adopted them, and they are now also in college or out of college and working. And um, yeah, there's there's a really clear, you know, we wrestle with that as parents of, oh okay, gosh. like, yeah. I want to love you. I want to protect you. I want to lead and guide you. And ultimately, like, I want to trust God, and I, I don't want to get in your way, and I don't want to get 
in God's way of what he has for you. Um, So I have definitely been in the middle of a season of learning that as my kids have grown up. Yeah. Yeah. I teared up when you were saying that, this whole idea of like, just the Lord saying like, don't get in my way here. Like, because uh, I just, we want so desperately the best for our kids. And I think about this with my own kids, but we also have this in our mind, the trajectory of what it's going to look like. And, and yeah, like if I'm thinking of you and you have the right grades, the right financial means to go to the, and I'm air quoting right schools and for the promising future and, and to be brave enough as parents to step back and say, Listen, the Lord has called her to something else. They didn't know the full picture. That probably would have scared him to death had they had known. But the Lord gave him just enough of a glimpse. I'm going for a year, you know, and and to and then I guess the other thing I would just want you to weigh in on for us is just the Lord laid it on your heart. He told you what he wanted you to do. Like he didn't like tell your parents to tell you what to do. Like and, and that's something I always tell, like even when my daughter was looking for colleges, I'm like, listen, he's going to tell you, probably not me. So um, was there something in there? Like, was there a time, can you think of some significant moment when you knew like, I'm supposed to go here and do this for the next year? Or did just kind of the Lord kept unveiling it as you were going? What'd that look like hearing from him? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was the second. I think he just kind of slowly unveiled yeah. it. And even I think I would have been terrified if on the front end he had sure. revealed to me like, you're actually going to spend your whole life here and like get married and have your babies in this place. I would have been like, whoa. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, during my second semester in my senior year of high school, after I'd come back from the first trip, it just kept coming Mm -hmm. up, kept coming up, kept coming up. I knew I had the choice. I mean, I'd already Mm -hmm. been offered, you can come spend a year here, but I was still applying to colleges, you know, wasn't quite sure. And it just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. He kept laying it on my heart in a way that I was able to say yes to the year. Um, and then during that year, he kept putting Mm -hmm. these families and these kids in my path. And so I was able to say yes to helping them out. And I I feel like it was just that gradual progression of, as he put a need in front of me saying yes to that need and being obedient in that small thing that led to this this kind of enormous thing, you know, and even still sometimes when I'm at Amazima, when I'm on the school campuses, I kind of look around and I'm like, Oh, oh my goodness. Like I, I can't believe this. I can't believe how big it is, but it, it was never revealed to me that it would look like what it does today. It was just these small little steps of obedience. And that's what I try to encourage, you know, everybody, whether you're a young child or a college student or a parent trying to let go and surrender your kids, right. Um, that it's, it's these small steps of obedience that lead to, a life of obedience. And that's what Mm -hmm. we want, right? We've Mm. been teaching our children since they were little to seek the Lord and to follow him. We've been teaching our children since they were little to love and serve and be obedient. And so, but also we don't want our kids to suffer. And so I think that's the hard wrestle for me is Mm -hmm. what I really want is to always protect my kids from any kind of hardship or suffering. And yet as a disciple of Jesus, I know that loving and serving so often comes with hardship and suffering. And I know how he has met me in that and how he has grown me in that. So why would I want to totally shelter my kids from it? But I mean, right? That's what what we wrestle with as moms. 
Yeah, it's like that dichotomy of we want nothing more than to, them to walk well with the Lord and to do the things He's called them to. And 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 so your your point is so well made that it's these, especially with our kids and growing up in social media and all the influencers and platforms. Like they feel like, well, if I'm going to do this big God thing, it's got to have a platform, or you oh, know, it's sure. going to have this huge influence or this whatever. And like yours was a small step of obedience started by a small step of obedience by your mom and saying like, we're going to, we're going to do the God things. And so we're going to go on a mission trip. And then you took this small step of obedience and the Lord has just multiplied it, multiplied it. And yes. And looking at it as a parent, I want my kids to do all those things. I just want the absolute guarantee from the Lord. There won't be pain, suffering, or hardship. Exactly. In it, which exactly. You're not going to get not reasonable so, at all. <laughs> not reasonable, not reasonable. All right, jumping in here for just a minute. Is anybody thinking about summer yet? Is anybody thinking about what you're going to do with your kids this summer? Or is that just me? You guys, Camp Windshape is a part of our show today. They're helping sponsor us. I'm so grateful for that. And Windshape Camps were created by S. Truett Kathy in 1985. And they offer overnight camps, day camps, family camps, all the things. They have 30,000 campers they serve every summer. 700 staffers who help. And the fun thing about this is, yeah, if you live in North Georgia or you want to go to North Georgia, why not? You can go to their overnight camps there. But if not, there's 80 cities across the country where they offer family camps, camps, all the things. And what a great opportunity this summer to take for our kids and help them develop skill sets both indoors out help them build friendships grow in their relationship with the lord while also having a blast so check it out it's windshapecamps.org and then also i want to thank amy seifert and starve for being a part of our show this is a new book amy seifert has written she's a popular you version bible teacher and her book is called starved it's out in all the places where you buy books and she just wants us to realize that we can make some changes in our life there's some things we can do if we're feeling shame disappointment anxiety if maybe we're filling up on things that are not satisfying us which i know we're all doing at any given time We don't have to live that way. And so let's stop turning to our phones and social media looking for relief. These things are just promises that are temporary. We all know that. And so what we need to do is realize that we are stuck and malnourished and get rid of all that and start going to the spiritually healthy places and find ways to be delightfully content within the Lord and the goodness of Jesus. And so that's why this book is so important. That's why it is available. I'm talking about it. Go to amyseifert.com and the book is called Starved or just buy it wherever you buy books. It's unbelievable the way the Lord's done this. And I think, um, I mean, just, you never could have planned this. You never could have written this script. And like the Lord has done this and, and given you this ability to speak truth and to so many people and just by example. And so you've written a new book and I want to make sure everybody knows that because everybody needs a copy of it. This new book is called Safe All Along. And I should clarify, it's Katie Davis Majors now as uh, as our married name, which I love. Um, and you're talking about this. Uh, well, let me step back for one second. We're going to get to the book too, but I think this is part of your journey. But I've heard you speak other places recently and just talk about how um, everyone, we, we all know that like, it feels like the big surrender in your life. I think you said that to Jenny Allen when you're talking to her, the big surrender was going to Uganda. And so then being called back has been the bigger surrender. Cause now spoiler alert, everyone you're back in the U S and, and not by choice. Like it wasn't like, okay, th- that, that chapter's finally over. The Lord let me out. Like, no, like this has been a really hard place. And so speak to us a little bit about that and the, and coming back in the surrender behind that. Yeah. 
Um, so we did come back to the States uh, kind of unexpectedly about a year and a half ago. We thought we would be here for a shorter time. And the Lord, I mean, it's the same. It's the small step of obedience and feeling that he still has us here um, for an undefined amount of time. And so just being obedient in that. And that has been a huge surrender too, because in a lot of ways, you know, in every way, we built our lives and our family in Uganda and had just a sweet and precious community there and such purposeful lives there through the work of Amazima. And so um, I still get to be super involved in Amazima, both from this side and like, thankfully through technology, I can be on that, involved on that side too. And, um, but it has been, it has been really challenging to just again, let go of what I thought life would look like. I mean, we had planned Mm -hmm. our whole lives there. We had imagined what it would look like to raise our little boys who are four and six. You know, we had imagined what life would look like for them as teenagers in that community in Uganda. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a surrendering of just a lot of plans and a lot of hopes and a lot of dreams and asking God, you know, to give us the courage and obedience to continue to say yes, but also to give us um, new plans and hopes and dreams that are of him. And so that my new book, Safe All Along, kind of, I didn't realize, when I started writing it, we hadn't moved yet. And so mm-hmm. I didn't realize, even as I started writing, that it would chronicle kind of that journey. But um, it's a, it shares yeah. a lot about my wrestle through uh, anxiety of being in a new place mm. where I didn't know how to do anything. Also being in a new season of parenting, having adult children and really having to surrender them to the Lord and what mm. that's looked like for me and how just God has continued to um, comfort and affirm me through the truth of his word, even as I have wrestled with what life looks like now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I know you've said before that you never really had a struggle with anxiety or fear. And by the way, let me, let me give the full title of the book. Cause it's kind of helps safe all along trading our fears and anxieties for God's unshakable plans. And so I'm guessing that little byline underneath that little subtitle would never have been in your vernacular back in the day, this notion of trading fears and anxieties. Cause from what I understand about you, like that wasn't, that wasn't who you are, but that wasn't like really something you struggled with, but then in more recent years, it's kind of crept in a little of the fear and anxiety. Can you share that with us a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the longer we live, the more pain we experience because we are living in a broken and fallen world. And so we're not going to get out of here without pain and hurt and suffering. Right. And then, I mean, those things change us both they change our hearts, they change our minds, they they we feel them in our bodies. And so we had had a couple different things happen um, in our family. And then also there had been like this whole big world shut down with COVID and shutdown was really intense in Uganda. I mean, we couldn't even drive our cars. Um, and wow. so I think just all those events back to back to back to back mm-hmm. um, sent me into this place of really feeling like I needed to control and I need to to protect and I needed to make sure um, both that I was okay and that my family members were okay. And so it was just a relearning of surrendering to God and knowing. I mean, I really just started asking questions like, okay, Jesus says, I give you peace. My peace I leave with you, right? And Paul talks about this peace that passes understanding. And okay, in my head, I believe that to be true about you, God, but like I'm not 
experiencing it. I'm not living as if that is true. And so how do I begin to live and walk every day in this peace that I know you've promised me, but that I don't feel right now? Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what does that look like? If, and, and again, I'm not trying to ask you anything you don't want to share, but what practically speaking, I think that's something that we all deal with constantly. It's this whole notion of, I have this head knowledge of knowing I do not need to fear. Do not be dismayed. I'm your Lord, your God. Like all these verses, we all know of God's goodness. He's for us. He's with us. Like, but then how do we bridge that gap into, I'm super anxious. Like I'm struggling. I've seen the realities of what's here. Have, have you found practical things that have helped you walk through that as you, especially as you're writing a book about, about this fear and anxiety and trading that in for God's plans? What does that look like practically? Are there practices you have? Yeah, definitely. So um, in the book, Say Follow Along, we go through 10 kind of practical things that have helped me feel a lot more grounded in the peace that God's God promises. But I always try to be really quick to say on any platform, like I do take medication for anxiety and I do see a therapist regularly. And so I don't at all want to pretend um, that having more faith or practicing these things is always going to be a one size fits all and that it's always going to take care of all our anxiety. I personally am of the belief that there are different medical interventions that God has allowed to help us. And so I want to be super clear that as I present 10 practices that have really helped me, um, There is also there is also medical anxiety, and there is absolutely no shame in needing to get that help. And so I don't think that that help is for that. everybody, yes. but I think that sometimes yeah. it is necessary. And so I just never want to present like, these 10 practices are going to fix it all. They haven't fixed it <laughs> right. all for me, but they have helped me tremendously in my walk with God. So time with Him in His Word mm-hmm time with him in prayer, actively practicing surrendering. So I'll give you just one that you'll find in the book. Um, And it sounds kind of funny whenever I say it out loud because it's super simple, but it has really helped me. In the morning, before I get out of my bed, before I leave my room, before I enter the craziness of the day and the kids getting ready for school and whatever, um, I sit on the side of my bed and I open my hands, palms upwards, and I just let anything that I'm worried about kind of float to the top of my mind. And then I imagine giving it to Jesus. And sometimes I only have to do that one time. You know, sometimes it's a child or a situation with a certain child or a conversation I need to have at work or whatever it is that floats Mm -hmm. up that I'm feeling anxious and worried about. I imagine giving it to Jesus. And sometimes I do that once. Sometimes I have to give that same thing to Jesus five or ten times, right? And I just say Mm -hmm. out loud, Lord, I trust you with fill in the blank, whatever it is. And I just say it until it feels true and it's not swirling around in there anymore. And sometimes I can do that a couple times at the beginning of the day and it's true. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to do it all day long. Sometimes that same conversation keeps coming to the top of my mind and I'm replaying it and I have to stop and say, okay, Lord, I give this to you. And then as I give it to him, you know, as we surrender things to God, they, they leave a hole, right? You can't just give something up. Then there's the space. And so what do we fill? We have to fill the space with something or else I pick up that same thing. Like that same worry that I think I surrendered to God, I pick it right back up 
unless I can fill the hole with his truth. And so I find mm. truths from his word. One that I love is Isaiah 26, 3. God, you will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And so when I surrender something to him, I want to fill it with the truth of his word and repeat that to myself over and over again, instead of letting the thing that I'm anxious about fill that space in my brain. And so that's one practice that's been just really practically helpful for me. Ooh, that's, that's so good. And it is, it's so practical. And when, um, I used to be a lawyer in the old days, a long time ago, and there was always this expression in my law firm with really young lawyers. Um, when you'd go talk to like the big partner, the person in charge, people would say, fake it till you make it. Like if you have no idea what they're talking about or whatever, just confidence, go in there, like fake it till you make it. And, um, obviously I'm not um, saying we fake our relationship with the Lord, but I do think that what you're saying is like, even if you're having trouble believing it, go in affirming like, okay, this is what I know to be true. And Lord, I'm handing this over to you. And I'm going to visualize me doing that. And I'm going to keep doing it until I know it and believe it. And, and it becomes my reality. And I think that's just a good word. Um, that's a good word that we can, if we can just put into these techniques. And I love that you have these 10 ways of things that have kind of worked for you um, and surrendering things. And, and so you have a quote um, I heard you say, and I, and I just wanted to ask you to unpack that a tiny bit. You said, we surrender to more deeply experience God. Mm. And I thought that was so good to more deeply experience God. And all of us, we just, um, we just want more God. We want, we right. want that reality of him in our lives. And, and yet so, so often we're like, I don't know. I just don't feel his presence or he doesn't feel real to me or whatever. And, and I think there's just that tangible play that you're talking about, like surrender and, and in that surrender is when you experience God. And so just talk to us a little bit about that, what that's meant to you. Yeah. I mean, I think um, you referenced my friend Jenny and she, I heard her say recently that surrender is laying down our will and receiving God's mm. will. And so I, I just, I thought that was so beautiful. Just this idea of like, okay, God, here's my plan and here's how I think it should go or want it to go or whatever. Um, but I lay that down and I give that to you and I receive that whatever you give me, even if it doesn't look the way I think would be best, whatever you give me is going to be what is ultimately best for me. And so, um, yeah. yeah, just kind of, I feel like sometimes we're holding on so tightly to our plans and our dreams and the things that we think we want to be true, or even when it comes to our children, to the things that we want to be true true of their lives and the path that we want them to be on. And we can hold so tightly to that. And when we are doing that, we are holding onto the wrong thing. And what we need to be doing is holding so tightly to the promises of God and who he is that we can still dream for our kids. We can still plan for our kids. We can still try to help them make good plans for their lives. We can still teach them the path that we think that they should be on. And yet we're holding on so tightly to the truth of who God is that when those things don't pan out, it doesn't leave us spiraling and shaken and upside down because we still have this truth that we're clinging to. That's so good. So good. Everyone needs to rewind that and listen to that again. That's so good. I probably okay. need to say it to myself a couple more times like today. Well, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, 
how do I tape that and you just play that in my ear for the rest of the, the week? Um, okay. And so let's wrap up with this, Katie. I want to be conscious of your time, but let's wrap up talking about this. You also, and I don't remember because I've listened to you on several platforms, but I think it might've been with Jenny again that you were talking about this, but you were kind of talking about what you loved about Uganda and just the differences and all of that mm. good stuff. And one of the things you really focused on, um, or did you mention was just our use of time in America versus relationships and how that looks different than what it looks like in Uganda. And I was really, I was really taken by that because um, it's kind of one of those things you don't know what you don't know when you live in a country and, you, and this is how we operate. And so will you just share a little bit about that yeah. and, and how maybe we can be encouraged to, to put emphasis on relationships over time? Absolutely. Um, and so I'll, I'll preface this by saying like, I don't love generalizations and I don't think that they always work. And so I'm going to make a generalization and just want everyone to know it's that this isn't true of okay, every okay. single Ugandan or every single American. But sure. generally speaking, I would say that the Ugandan culture values relationship above time and that a lot of not just people in America, but just the American culture in general is set up to value time above relationship. And I even read in a book the other day that we are prone to believe that our most valuable resources are money and time. Mm. And I thought, you know, I, I think that is true of American culture, but I don't believe that's true world over. In Uganda, I don't think people see money and time as their most valuable possessions. And instead of asking someone, what do you do for a living? You would probably ask them, how many children do you have? Right? Just this, mm. it's just this different thing. It's not about what you do with your time. It's about how many people you're in relationship with. And in Uganda, you leverage those relationships for your benefit sometimes. And here, we're leveraging our time for our benefit. And so I just thought, it was even after I spoke with Jenny, but it just, again, to read like, yeah, money and time are our most valuable valuable commodities. And I thought, well, we might feel like that in this context, but I don't think that's true. And so in Uganda, um, relationship always comes above time. And so if somebody, I give this example a lot, but if somebody comes to your door as you're out the door, headed out the door for a meeting, you're generally expected to welcome that person in for tea and ask them how their life is going and ask them how their family is going. And yeah, mm. you're going to show up late for your meeting. But when you tell people that you showed up late for your meeting because someone stopped at your door, they will be very understanding of that. And that will have been the expected correct thing to do. Versus yeah, I yeah. think here, Versus here in our culture, mm -hmm. if somebody would show up to your door as you're on the way out the door to a meeting, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I have to go. I'm running late yeah. to a meeting and they probably wouldn't even be hurt by that because that is so normal, mm -hmm. but it just shows what we value. Um, mm -hmm. And so in moving back here, it has been a real struggle to try to figure out, okay, there are still a lot of things that I need to be on time for, right? For the sake yeah, of my kids yeah. and things at their school and meetings at work. Like I do have to show up on time, but I want to always remember to value relationships because time is not eternal. Time is this made up thing, right? That we've segmented our days into these understandable chunks of hours and whatever, but like relationships are eternal. Like these are the people that we're going to be with in eternity. And so um, how can we live functionally within our culture that values time and still deeply value relationships? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. It's so much to think about and ponder and yeah, relationships over time. And I think academically, like most of what we talked about today, academically, I would always say my relationships are more important than a given meeting or uh, whatever commitment. I mean, a haircut, whatever the things are, but really in real life, how does that play out? And so just a lot to think about, but Katie, I'm so excited about your new book. I'm so excited I got to talk to you. You guys, everyone grab it. Safe all along, trading our fears and anxieties for God's unshakable plans. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Oh my goodness. Don't you love her? And there's two takeaways. I mean, there's so many takeaways, but here's two that I'm just going to leave you with. I love how she says in Uganda that they prioritize relationship over time. And I think that's something that really um, I'm convicted about relationship over time. And I want my kids to value that as well. And then also when she talked about the Lord telling her dad, don't stand in my way here. Don't stand in the way of what the Lord's doing. And I just want us to be reminded the Lord's going to do things in our kids and everything in us is going to want to stand in the way. I've already done it. I will tell you that. I've tried to stand in the way of what God's doing in my kids' lives. And um, it's well-intentioned, but it's not right. And so I just want us to pray that too. Just pray for those places where we may want to step in, stand in, where the Lord's saying, no, 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 I've got this. And so I hope that encourages you. So grateful you're here today. We know your days are busy. So as always, thank you for joining us as we pardon the mess.